Well, good morning, and welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Andrew Boring, and I'm the pastor of student ministries here, and I have the privilege of uh, delivering today's message for us. And I know, uh, well, first off, Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. And I know with today being New Year's Day, a lot of us are, you know, we're still feeling it from last night, maybe. A little bit extra tired this morning, and maybe you enjoyed uh, staying up late to watch the ball drop, and I hope that was a great time. Uh, But last night, millions of Americans stayed up to usher in the new year. Right? So whether or not you were with friends or family or just stayed home with your family at your house, a lot of us were playing games, watching movies, watching the football game, doing anything we can to stay awake. Right? Sometimes that's how it feels. And I think we kind of fall into one of two categories. One is you're a night owl and it's just like any other Saturday night. It's super easy for you to stay up till midnight. Others of us, We go to bed at nine, right? And it is very hard to stay up those extra three hours on New Year's Eve. So you're you're forcing yourself to stay awake or maybe you just completely gave up and you said, see you next year. And you started making those jokes and you just went to bed early. But in Times Square, there's usually about a million people gathered to usher in the new year. And then there's millions more uh, watching on TV, tuning in to watch the ball drop. And there's actually more than a billion people around the world who stay up to usher in the new year in their local time zone, right? They're staying up late for the new year celebration. More than a billion people. That's so many. So maybe you were part of that celebration last night staying up. I was not. I went to bed early. Uh, but we, we generally like to stay up and celebrate things like that, right? We, we like to celebrate special events, special people, right? That's why we all know what the red carpet is, right? When you think of the red carpet, you think of Hollywood. You think of all the famous actors and actresses and maybe musicians, whoever it is that you love, that walk down the red carpet. And that's the sign of fame. That's the sign of they have made it. They've arrived. Look at how, how well known they are, how successful they are, how awesome they are. And they walk down the red carpet. We like to celebrate special things, Right, that's why in 2016, when the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Finals, there was 1.3 million people who flooded the streets of Cleveland to celebrate. Right, because we like to celebrate these special things that are right before our eyes that we're blown away by, that are so, so cool and so amazing. But today, we're going to be looking at a different type of celebration. Right, it is not a red carpet, but it's a dirt road. The man of honor here is not arriving in a Lamborghini, but on a donkey. The the special person isn't going to get rich from all this. He's actually going to lose everything very soon. And really, what we're going to be looking at today is Jesus finishing strong. All right, we're actually starting a brand new sermon series this morning called Finishing Strong. And through this, we're looking at the last days of Jesus' life on earth before he goes to the cross. And, and it's really, it's Holy Week, it's Passion Week. We see Jesus um, kind of really finish strong as he has the last couple days of his life here. And what we see is our humble king exceeding expectations, right? We see a humble king who, who exceeds expectations beyond all belief. So Jesus has been teaching, he's been doing miracles, he's been predicting his death that is just days away at this point. And this morning, we're going to look at him as he enters into the city of Jerusalem to kind of begin the end. But let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that we can gather here this morning. Thank you for your word. 
that we can study it and understand it through the Holy Spirit working in us. That it's so useful for our lives, profitable for us. And I pray that your word would just touch us this morning. That as we, as we study it, as we see you in it, as we see your character shine through, that you would just change our hearts and grow us stronger and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It says this in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing, standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread the leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, it was already late, and he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And what we really see through, through kind of this whole, all, the, all 11 verses throughout the whole text here, is we see that Jesus is king. Right? Jesus is king regardless of of what we do. Jesus is king regardless of anything that we do, anything that anyone does. And, and we see that Jesus, Jesus is king very clearly in this text, right? He has the power of someone in authority. He has this supernatural knowledge. He knows exactly uh, what is going to happen. He, tell, he, he calls two disciples over and sends them out to go grab this colt. And tells him exactly what to say when people question him. He tells him everything. He knows the situation that is coming. And even the, the entry into the city of Jerusalem here is really triumphant. Right? There's this crowd gathered. They're, they're shouting praises to him. They're laying this, this green carpet of leafy branches for him to walk on. This is the entrance of a king. This is not a normal entrance and these people are celebrating they're rejoicing they're so excited but the response of the people in the, in this text does not make Jesus king the fact that they're praising him does not make him king and that is such a big difference between our king Jesus and every other king every other king in the nation of Israel you see in verse 10 it actually says blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David Right, they're connecting Jesus with King David here. But if we remember much about King David, he was anointed as king, and then he, he fled, and he ran for quite a while as another king, King Saul, was seeking his life, trying to kill him. Right? So he was anointed king, but there was a time when David was not king. Right? And actually in the nation of Israel and Judah together, there was a total of 42 kings. 42 kings had ruled at some point in time, but those kings were only king so long as there was no other nation outside of them that was trying to conquer them, and there was no rebellion from within trying to disrupt the, their kingdom. 
You see, their kingdom is not secure. There was a time when they were not king, but that is not true of King Jesus. Because he is king regardless of any other circumstances, regardless of if people are praising him or or whatever is happening around. We know that even if if people don't worship Jesus, the rocks will cry out and praise, praise him and praise who he is. So he doesn't need our praise to make him king. He wants it, but he's king either way. He doesn't need us worshiping, worshiping him. He doesn't need us recognizing that he is king to make him king. He is king regardless of if we recognize it, regardless of anything we do or don't do. Right before Christmas this year, we had that winter storm kind of rush through. Uh, that, that storm was called Winter Storm Elliot's, and it affected, I think, about half the country in some capacity. And around here, it wasn't that bad, right? We got some snow, a couple inches. It was freezing. It got extremely cold. But it wasn't like, it wasn't this big blizzard where we live, right? Other places, it was totally this, this terrible storm. But I think most of us, because it was the week of Christmas, you know, we had our phones out all the time checking our weather app. Or we're like, is it going to be a lot of snow? Is, can it get a little bit warmer? Can, it, can the weatherman be wrong again, please? Let's have this not be as bad of a storm, right? So a lot of us are checking our, our, our phones, seeing is this, gonna, is this storm going to affect our Christmas plans? Are people going to be able to travel, right? Is this going to disrupt my life in any way? But when we get these types of storms that bring a lot of snow or really cold temperatures, the reality is there's nothing we can do about it, right? It's going to come regardless of how, how we feel about it, regardless of if we want it or not, right? We can choose to, choose to just, to just uh, ignore it, you know, maybe not check our phone and just open up our door and see how much snow we have. You can go to the store and stock up on food if you want to, but nothing that we do can change what will happen, We can have a lot of thoughts about Jesus, but our thoughts, our feelings, whatever we think does not change who he truly is, right? Just as a winter storm does not change based on how we feel about it, the essence of our King Jesus does not change based on circumstances or us in any capacity because he is God. He is Lord, even if we don't treat him as king, even if we don't see him as king in our life. But I really think a lot of us probably have heard that Jesus is king. We we know this to be true, but it is so, so difficult to really, to really acknowledge that Jesus is king in our lives. It's so easy to say, we see it in scripture pretty clearly, Jesus is king, but the implications of that change so much in our lives that it's very difficult to let it change, right? Because if, if Jesus truly is king, that means that we can't be, right? That means that I can't be king in my life. I can't be number one. I can't pursue everything that, that I want for me because that would make it so Jesus is king over here, but I'm compartmentalizing my life and, and I am king over here. Something else is, is taking that number one place in my life. So we can't be king of Jesus is king. Our kids can't be king. Our desires can't be king. A job, comfort in our life, goals that we have for 2023, right? It's January 1st. We probably have goals. Those goals cannot be the driving motivation behind everything that we're, we're, we're seeking, everything we're trying to do. Because if they are, 
then Jesus is king, but he, is he really king in every aspect of our life? You see, it's so hard to see Jesus in that, in that way through and through in our lives. And I think one of the reasons for that is because often we have a self-focus and we have a pride issue. And the reality is that, that Mark has made that so clear throughout the first 11 chapters so far as we've been studying this book. I think it was around October or so, but as we were going through um, a part of Mark in October, it seemed like every week was addressing the subject of pride. And I remember thinking, I'm like, why do we keep talking about pride? Why is it here so much? Doesn't, doesn't Mark see that we get it, that we know this, that we've heard it? But I think he kept repeating it. He keeps repeating it. Because, man, it's so hard to actually get it from here to here. Right? It's so hard for it, for it to, to not just be something we know, but something that really affects our lives and changes our goals and changes what we desire and what we want. And it's so hard because if I let Jesus be king of everything in my life, I lose control. Right? I'm giving up that control to someone else. Someone who is infinitely better at managing it and doing it, but it means that I can't put my own blood, sweat, and tears, and I'm actually saying, God, I need you. And that can be a hard thing for us to do, a needed thing for us to do, but it can be difficult for us. And I think sometimes why it's so hard is that we're just forgetful. I'm forgetful, right? We, 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 it's 2023, but we already forget some of the things, some of the good things that God has done in our lives in 2022, right? We, we, we kind of forget the blessings that he's already given us, how he's helped us through different, different hard situations that we faced, how he was there through the loss of a, of a loved one or a job or, or some family stress, how he was there when we had marriage issues and how God pulled us through, how he was there in those great times, like on family vacations, whatever it might be, we forget God's goodness in our lives, and sometimes we, we don't actually totally forget it, but when it, we think about it and it comes back into our mind, we don't, we don't stay there long enough to actually praise him for how he's worked in our lives, and instead we just, we just kind of keep moving forward. But Jesus, as king, does not falter. He's a king that is not sinful. His power is not temporary. It's eternal. His kingdom is eternal. He is God over everything. And this royal procession here, people are praising him because they're starting to, to get it. They're throwing down these branches because they're starting to get it. They're signifying that they see him as somebody different. They're seeing him as a king, but he's not just a normal king. As we look back at verse 2, we, it says this. And Jesus said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the streets and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? But they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and sat on it. So we've already said that Jesus is king but the other thing that we see pretty clearly here is that Jesus is a servant, right? Jesus is a servant while he is Lord. He's a servant while he is king, which is a, is a, is a beautiful picture of our God, right? The humility that Jesus displays is pretty remarkable here. 
right? He doesn't discredit his deity to elevate humility, right? He's both at the same time. Jesus is king. But as we look at these verses, where is his sword, right? Where is his horse that he should be entering in Jerusalem on? If he's king, he should be ready for battle. He should, he should have that appearance, right? Because every other king at that time would have, would have stormed into the, the city of Jerusalem on a horse, showing power, showing that they're a conquering king, showing that if you follow them, they will lead you to victory. They will lead you to what everyone sees as success. They will give you everything you desire, right? But Jesus comes on a colt. He comes in a way that tells us that he, may, he might not give the people who are, who are on the streets praising him, he might not give them everything they want, but he will give them everything that they need. See, if we want a growing relationship with God, we must seek humility. The type of humility that Jesus displays here, right? We must follow the example of our Lord Jesus, who, who even says that he's Lord in these verses, right? It's January 1st. It's, it's the time of year for new beginnings. Most of us have finished our Christmas parties, all those family gatherings, and we're looking forward to what January has to bring. Or maybe you, you hate winter, so you're looking forward to what May has to bring, right? And you're like, can we just get through the winter, right? But we're looking at 2023, we're making these goals. We're thinking about the things that we're desiring for this new year, experiences that we're hoping to have with friends and family. But sometimes those dreams and those goals, they have us riding into the streets of Jerusalem on a horse, not on a donkey. The reality is that most of the people who were entering the city of Jerusalem at this time were walking on, into the city because it was, it was, it, they were getting ready for the Passover. So there's a lot of pilgrims, a lot of travelers, a lot of visitors into the, into the city of Jerusalem at this time, and they were walking into the city. Are you walking into 2023, or are you riding on a horse? And what I really mean by this is, is do you see 2023 as the Lord's year? Do you see it as as the year that you want to, to, to grow deeper with God, you want to be a better husband, wife, father, mother, whatever it might be. Do everything you can, steward what God has given you well for him. Or do we see this new year as our year? As, as what, what it can be for us? How I can reach the goals that I want in my life? I think so often we, we have our goals in, in a closed fist. Right? And I'll be honest, I think most of us probably have really great goals. I think a lot of us do have goals that are godly goals, goals that are, are really good things for us. Maybe we want a job that's a little bit more stable and steady so we can have that home, home work-life balance better. Or we want our marriage to be strengthened. We didn't love where it was in 2022, and we, we want 2023 to be better. We want the health of a loved one that's been wrestling with that. We want our kids to stay on the right path. We want to see them come back to church. We want to see them grow deeper in their walk with God and truly make it solidified for Christ. Right? We want to, to stop wrestling with sins and just start beating them in our lives so, so that they're not controlling us anymore. We want to truly grow closer into understanding what it means to find contentment in Christ to find contentment in what he says we need and who he is rather than other things, right? I think so often these are really the type of goals that we have. 
These are, are the goals that at our core we really desire, we really want. But if we're not careful, we can start doing even good goals for us. We can start removing God from the equation and making them more about us. And we forget God in the process. We can start using our time, talents, and treasures in really ways that, ways that appear really generous, when in reality, we're using our time, talents, and treasures to feel like we're a good person, to feel like I can pat myself on the back, I did a good thing, to feel like, man, I made that mistake in 2022. Well, well God's got to forgive me now, right? Because look at how I just did this awesome thing, right? We can start without even realizing how that type of attitude and mindset where we're doing it more for us and less because we love God and want to serve God. And, and we, we get in this mindset of maybe even trying to earn grace. But it's called grace because it's a free gift. We can't earn it, right? Salvation is a free gift from, from God by faith in Jesus. We can't do anything to earn it. And that is a beautiful, amazing thing but we can start to confuse ourselves. You see, it's not bad to want these goals. It's not bad to want health or even financial stability, but are we checking our heart to do these things for the Lord or are we doing these things for us, right? Because no amount of, of peace can come from our own effort in this way. Right? If we make success our God, if we make a person our God, if we make validation from other people our God, then we're wanting Jesus to ride in Jerusalem on a horse to give us everything that we want and think we need rather than seeing him as this example of humility and love that he has for us. We have to open our hands and, and, and make goals for the year, but let God have control over them. See, Jesus models this type of humility for us. He shows us that he's loving and caring. One of the things I love about our church is we have so many, so many people, so many of you are, are amazing servants and use your, your time, talents, and treasures to love God. And, and you serve in so many ways in the church and the community, and it's absolutely amazing. And we actually, uh, as many of you know, community groups really are like the DNA of our church. And the community groups are so amazing because they provide a place for us to, to do life with other Christians, to open up the Bible together, to pray for one another, to be involved in each other's lives. But we also encourage community groups to serve together. We encourage them to do some type of service project, some type of service thing sometime throughout the year. And, and a lot of groups have been serving with, with like Reflect Ministries, right? Uh, our outreach ministry that tries to show God's love to people in our community. Or they've served at homeless shelters, with foster families, whatever it is, serving in some way. And, and I've never really heard anyone say after they're done serving in one of these places, you know, I wish I didn't do that. Right? I wish I didn't serve. Right? That's something that we almost never say. And I think that's because when we serve, we're reminded of what God is doing in our lives. Right? We, we, we are humbled as we are serving. We're reminded of everything that God has blessed us with. Everything that God has done in my life, in your life. And how we just want to steward what he's given us for him. And sometimes it takes serving for God to actually change our heart to want to serve. Right? Sometimes our hearts follow our hands. But Jesus doesn't, he doesn't neglect his divinity as he's a humble servant. 
He's both at the same time. He actually credits his deity. He credits the fact that he is God in this, in this, in this text, right? He sits on a, on a cult that has never been sat on before, right? He divinely orchestrated it to be, that, to be so that this cult would be ready for sacred use, ready for holy use, that it's pure in that way. He has that, that divine foreknowledge. He knows what's going to happen. He even says that he's Lord here to point to the fact that he is Messiah. He is the Messiah. You see, he's, he's humble. He's a servant, which shows that he, he's loving and forgiving, but he's also king. And he does both simultaneously. And he also came to, fill, to fulfill prophecy. In Zechariah 9, 9, it says this. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this, this was prophesied in Zechariah about what Jesus just fulfilled as he entered into Jerusalem. He doesn't come as a normal king to gain power. He already has, has all power. He comes for you. He came on a donkey in humility because his mission was to give, not to get. His mission was to give his life as a ransom for many. He rides on a donkey when he could have come on a Ferrari, but he does it because he loves us, because he's king and servant and he wants a relationship with us. But it says, it says this in verse 8 as we continue. It says, And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is... He Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, it was already late. He went into Bethany with the 12. Jesus deserves our praise, right? He deserves our praise, even though we cannot fully comprehend his glory. He deserves our praise, even though we cannot fully comprehend his glory. You see, the people here see a humble king and they're shouting, Hosanna. And Hosanna actually means, save us, we pray. Right? It's, that, it's this cry of, of, please save me, deliver me. I, I, it's this cry of seeing that I have a need that needs to be met. Right? Like a city's being besieged, or they're going out to war and they're saying, Save me, deliver me from what is about to happen to me. But over time, this cry of Hosanna became a cry of praise. It wasn't just this cry out of a need, but it was a cry of, I have this need, and the person who saves me from this is worthy of my praise. So they're saying, Save me, we pray, and whoever it is that does save me is worthy of all praise. So people are shouting this. If they're shouting this, it makes sense. They're taking off their cloaks, right? They're, they're, they're praising Jesus as he's entering. They're grabbing branches and laying on the, on the ground for him to ride over because he's worthy to be praised. So they're shouting Hosanna, but they, they, they add a little bit to it, and they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna, in the highest. And these statements are pretty profound. That first one of blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord 
was actually a, a fairly common uh, a cry, a fairly common shout that people would, would, would say this time of year as so many people are entering into Jerusalem for the Passover. It's something that they would, they would say of all pilgrims who come to worship God in Jerusalem, but by adding, but by adding uh, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. These people see that Jesus is not a normal pilgrim. Jesus is not a normal guy entering Jerusalem for the Passover. There's something different here. They are hoping that he is someone so much greater. Jesus does all these things to show that he's the Messiah that they're waiting for, the fulfillment of prophecy that they've been waiting for. But did the crowd really get it? Right? They're shouting Hosanna, but do they really understand what is happening? Well, I think... John's account of this triumphal entry actually gives us clarity to that question. In John chapter 12, uh, John kind of tells everything, tells a story that we just read, and then he adds this commentary at the end, and he says, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that had been, they had been done to him. The crowd had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, and raised him from the dead, uh, and raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard of all the signs that he had done. So we see that, that even the disciples are confused. The, the, the crowd doesn't really get it, but even the disciples here don't really piece everything together until much, much later. So they're shouting Hosanna because of all the amazing things that they've heard he's done. They're shouting Hosanna because they see him as a miracle-working God. They see him as the person who multiplied food to feed 5,000. They see him as the person who healed the blind and healed the sick. And most recently, they see him as a person who just healed Lazarus, who lived just outside of the city of Jerusalem, who had been dead for days, and Jesus raised him back to life. And they're like, we want to go see Lazarus to see him alive, and we want to go see the guy who made it happen. They're coming for different reasons. And they were probably really hoping that he is the Messiah that they were waiting for, right? There's little doubt that they were hoping for that, but did they really see him as that way? Did they really understand that? You see, they connected Jesus to David in that cry of the coming kingdom of David. But David was a king of war. J David was a king who was constantly at war, and they wanted Jesus to follow in that same way, right? Even if they were hoping that Jesus is the right king, they're hoping that he's a different king than Jesus is. They're hoping that he's not a king just to, to, to not necessarily for, for spiritual salvation, but for physical salvation. They were looking for physical deliverance from Rome, right? Even if they kind of understood that he, he might be that person, they're missing it entirely still. You see, if the crowd understood how appropriate it was to shout Hosanna, then they all would have worshipped Jesus as Lord right there, and the Jews would have been so mad that they would have killed Jesus that day. If the crowd would have realized how, how right they were to shout Hosanna about Jesus, the cry of Hosanna on this day would not have turned to cries of crucify him in just a couple days later. They saw a glimpse of who Jesus was. They thought they, got, they understood it and got it, but they did not. A few years ago, the movie The Greatest Showman came out. 
And I don't know if you've seen that movie before, but it's kind of like this movie. It's also like a musical, so there's a ton of music in it. And I remember when it first came out, I had so many friends who went to see it, and they, they told me, you have to go see it. It's a great movie. And they told me a little bit about it. I watched the trailer, and I, I came to the conclusion, I'll pass. I was like, no, I'll take your word for it. I think it's okay. I don't need to watch it. It doesn't look that good to me. So I decided not to see it. And then some time had passed, it was out of theaters, and, and I think one of them bought it on DVD or something, and we were hanging out, and we watched the movie, and again, I had pretty low expectations for the movie, but I watched the movie, and I was like, this is amazing, this is such a good movie, right, like, I was totally wrong, I thought, I, I heard about it, I saw the trailer, I knew what it was about, there's no way I want to see this, it was a good movie, I was really surprised, but I thought I understood everything about it. You see, I think it's possible for us to think that we know everything about Jesus and not really get it. We can see the movie trailer, think we understand everything about it and miss the point and be so confident about it as well. You see, the people in, in Jerusalem who were praising Jesus thought they understood it, but they really didn't get it. We can study the Bible, go to church, attend community group, and not really fully get it. These people on the streets were hopeful that the man on the donkey, that he would make their life easier. But Jesus didn't come to make our life easier. He came to make life everlasting. He came to restore the broken relationship that we have with God, right? And that's why we just celebrated Christmas, and that's why Christmas is so beautiful, right? The fact that God would come in the form of a human, Emmanuel, God with us, that he would love us so much that he would send his son into the world to live the perfect life that, that we cannot live, right? And then for him to die on the cross, taking upon himself the guilt, the shame, the sins that you and I have all committed when he did none of it, taking, taking it in our place for us so we can be restored to God. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later, defeating sin and death so we can have a restored relationship with God, so we can know God and worship him and have a relationship with him and be saved. Right? I think the reality is that the more that we seek God, the more in awe of him we should be. The more we study God, the more we understand and we realize how much we don't fully understand because our God is infinite. The more we serve God, the more we realize he's doing a work in us. The more we try to understand God, the more we realize how amazing our God is, how worthy of praise our God is, and how remarkable it is. Even when all we see is a glimpse of who he is, we should be blown away by his majesty and the love that he has for us. Right? Even though we cannot fully comprehend God's glory, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise because of the miracles that he's done in the Bible, but also because of, of the miracles he's done in our lives. How he's always with us and never leaves us. How he is creator of the world, sustainer of the world, and how he loves us so much that he gave his son for us. Jesus entered into Jerusalem as he enters into our lives. Right? He's showing us who he is and he's compelling us to grow closer to him to pursue a deeper relationship with our Savior, who is King, who is a servant, and who is Lord over all, and who died for us. 
If you need prayer today, after the closing song, we're going to have some prayer people up here. If, if things are going on in your life that you just want prayer or, or you want to praise God with somebody, I encourage you to come forward and pray with someone this morning after the closing song. Uh, but let's, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who is king and who is a servant and who loves us so much. Father, we don't, we don't deserve your grace. We don't deserve the love that you have for us, but you gave it to us because you love us. And I pray that that will never become something that's just trite in our lives, that it will never be some, become something that we're so used to that we don't, we're not blown away by it. But I pray, Lord, that we will be blown away by your love and your majesty and that we would come to worship you every day and that you would help us to truly make you king of our lives. As hard as that is to, to truly have you be king over everything in our lives, I pray that we would want that and we would seek that and that you would help us to see you and worship you as king. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.